Welcome to the Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. We have been going through um, the scripture all year long, talking about what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. And so we've looked at different topics throughout the year. And so uh, in August, we're focusing on spiritual warfare. I mean, that there are just, there are obstacles and challenges that we all face. Some of us, it might be unfamiliar to hear the word spiritual warfare. That sounds really mysterious, but the bottom line is there are difficult things that we experience in our own hearts and minds that are a challenge, in our relationships with the world around us. And whether we like to believe it or not, there is a devil who sits behind that manipulating people. And so last Sunday, we talked specifically about who he is and unpacked that he's real. And the the two main things we need to know about him is number one, his goal is to be destructive, to be destructive. He wants to tear us apart individually. He wants to see relationships destroyed. And so his goal is to be destructive and his means, the tool that he uses primarily is lies and deception, lies and deception. You know, the, the powerful thing about a lie is if, if I begin to believe that it's true and then I live that out, it has power in my life to destroy. And so his favorite thing is if we grab hold of ideas that we make our own and we even begin to believe that they are my own. And in a modern culture like ours, where for many, the devil is just kind of this imaginary entity, he's not real, he loves that. That establishes the first lie. And so then the things that we might struggle with that rip us off and begin to to bring pain, difficulty, struggle in life, we're just cooperating with things that are untrue that are ripping us off. And so that was kind of our starting point on spiritual warfare. Now, it might seem like the obvious next place to go then is talk about how do we fight against that, right? How do I pray through that or know scripture or whatever? But listen, it is important before we figure out what our role might be that we understand Jesus' primary role in helping us win this fight. And so this morning, we're gonna talk about Jesus as the key to spiritual warfare. So we're gonna be in Luke's gospel, chapter four, since we don't have a screen and scriptures up, if you wanna follow along, you can open up your Bible app or turn turn to the scripture. Um, I'll read the scripture if you don't have that, it's okay. Um, But as you get ready for that, let me pray one more time and let's invite Jesus to come and be our guide through this together this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for your great love for us. And God, thank you that in your love for us, you fight on our behalf. Jesus, thank you that you fought to the fullest extent, to the point of giving your life on the cross in order to see us set free, in order to see us healed and restored, to see areas of struggle and bondage broken in our lives. God, thank you that you bring healing and reconciliation between us and God and that you heal broken people and broken relationships. And so, Jesus, would you just open up our eyes to see who you are and your great love for us this morning? It's in your name we pray, amen, amen. 
All right, so our starting point is actually Jesus, one of his starting points in ministry. Really early in his ministry, you know, he, he got baptized. As we get ready to do that later, Jesus got baptized. And then he went into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. And then when he came out of the wilderness, he began to minister to people, to help people. And one of the first things he did is he went to his hometown and he went on a Sabbath in the synagogue and they would get out the scripture. And at that time it was rolled up in a scroll. And so he got up to read the scripture that day. And so they gave him the scroll of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And so he purposely unrolled it and found a specific spot. And Jesus read these words. This is Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to bring recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus stood up and said, this is what I'm here to do. Now, whether you realize it or not, he just described what spiritual warfare is all about. Spiritual warfare is all about helping people that God loves. It's that simple. God cares about people. He loves people. And so he came to help deal with the things that rip us off. People who are poor, struggling, just barely getting by in life. Jesus came to declare good news, that they aren't insignificant or forgotten, that they are known and loved. And that his desire is to make an impact in their life now and into eternity. The scripture said that he came to heal the brokenhearted. What's described in this passage is both emotional and mental healing and physical healing. Jesus cares about the weights that we bear and the struggles that we have. He came to set the captives free. People who are stuck, they've been wounded by others. They're struggling with addiction. Jesus came to set the captives free. It says that he came to give recovery of sight to the blind. That's, that's both physical healing and we see that Jesus did that, but it's also about something even more than that. The New Testament tells us that the God of this world, talking about Satan, has blinded people to the good news that God brings. And so Jesus came to help take those blinders off so people could see God made you and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. You're seen and known and loved by him. The last, the last thing it says, the last descriptor of what he came to do, it sounds similar to one that we already read. You know, we read it, he, brought, he came to proclaim liberty to captives. And then it says again, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. But that word oppressed, it means beat down or crushed, the weary. Friends, I don't know if you're already recognizing in this list anything you're currently dealing with or you have in your past. Just one example for me, I, Jesus helped me when I was crushed and oppressed. 10 years into a life of ministry, married with kids, my marriage was good and healthy, not perfect, we're not perfect people, but good and healthy. Been serving at a church for about 10 years. And I began to, to have to face the fact that I was like burnout 
exhausted, and I was afraid to just put the real word to it, but I was depressed. And what made it almost harder is I'd look at my life and go, God, my life's pretty great. Like, you've blessed me with a good family. I'm, I'm doing what I feel called to do in life, but I just feel completely empty and spent. I was crushed. I was beat down. And, and thankfully, because of loving people in my life, because of a godly Christian counselor that walked through stuff with me, what God began to do is he began to help expose this lie. See, we talked last week how Satan communicates through lies. And what, what had begun to subtly creep in was this idea that what I wanted didn't matter. That was the lie he began to believe. I was just a tool to provide for my family, to be a good dad, to be a good husband, to serve people at the church. I just exist, existed to help everybody else. But my needs, my exhaustion, my struggles, I began to believe the lie that like that didn't matter. Like I was just being used for other people. Friends, it just simply wasn't true. God loves me and cares about me. And I was, but I was believing something that was, it was ripping me off and it was running me dry. And thank God in his mercy, he allowed me to see that, to recognize that. And then to take hold of his truth. Friends, the scripture says, as we looked at last week, the truth will set you free. But it doesn't just say the truth will set you free. It says the truth you know will set you free. I can believe in the idea that God's real. I can believe in the idea that God is loving. But do I believe that that God sees me and knows me and cares about me? This thing I'm carrying, this struggle I'm going through, this relationship that's falling apart. And Jesus showed up to say, yes, I see and I care and I'm the truth. And so listen, that is what spiritual warfare is all about. It is about God caring for people and wanting to help them to bring wholeness and healing and freedom. That's it. That's what it's all about. So Jesus doesn't just define what he wanted to do to bring freedom to people. Jesus provided spiritual victory. I want to give you a couple examples of this right here in Luke chapter four. I referenced it already, but just before this moment, He'd been tempted himself by Satan in the wilderness. Let me read uh, the first two verses of Luke 4 and also verse 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Yeah, I bet. I bet he was hungry. He was tempted. Verse 13 after it kind of unpacks the three different temptations he faced, says that when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. See, Jesus didn't just say, hey, believe in the truth. Jesus had to walk this out. He came as a man and walked the road that we walk. And part of the significance about Jesus living a sinful life, it doesn't just mean he was a really good guy. Living a sinless life means Jesus lived his life based on truth. He never cooperated with a lie. He recognized when the enemy was speaking things that were untrue to manipulate him and get him off track. He lived it out. See, Jesus didn't just extend victory to others. He first stepped into it himself. The first thing he did was face Satan and his lies. Then he showed up and he began to help other people. 
Now verses 14 and 15. And Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. Do you see how this is spiritual warfare? He, he returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. What happened was people heard Jesus speaking and he was speaking some of the very same scriptures they'd heard all their lives, but there was something different about him. There was something different. There was authority in what he said because it was real to him because he walked it out as if it was real. He believed God, he believed God's word and he walked in truth and he handed that to other people. He gave them that opportunity to hear the truth and choose to live by it. Choose to come as they were, broken as they were, hurting as they were, right as they were. And he shared truth and said, come to this, come to me the way, the truth, and the life. And so he lived in truth and he communicated truth to people in need. And then the third thing we see is he brought true freedom and healing. A little bit further down in Luke's gospel, chapter four, verses 31 and 32. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. Well, then in the middle of his teaching, he gets interrupted. And there's this man who was disturbed by a demonic spirit. And so Jesus silences what's happening, frees the man. And suddenly what had been a chaotic scene became complete calm. And it said the man who'd been oppressed by this demon was unharmed. Jesus brought freedom to this specific life. And when everybody observed it, verse 36 says, and they were all amazed and said one to another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Friends, the root of our ability to have victory over the things we struggle with in life they're not based in our own ability to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. They're based in the work of Jesus Christ. He is the one that every knee bows to. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He lived a life of truth. He communicated truth to a world that needed it. And ultimately he brought real freedom into people's lives. He did set the captives free. I'm just giving you a couple of examples from this one passage, but if you read through the gospels everywhere, you see Jesus interrupting people's lives in the best way. He shows up to people who are outcast and rejected and lets them know you are welcomed and invited in. People who were hated and marginalized were welcomed at his table. People who were sick and there were no solutions to their sickness, he brought healing. People who were stuck in life, relationships that were a mess. I mean, the beautiful story of the woman at the well is this woman who's just gone from marriage to marriage to marriage and her life's a mess and he invites her in. He met her at the well by herself because she had to go during the part of the day when no one else would be there because people in town wouldn't associate with her but Jesus was willing to associate with her. The truth is that God loves people. The truth is that God wants to bring healing and freedom into our places of brokenness. 
Friends, don't let this message just kind of be this, you know, random passage of scripture and the pastor's kind of up there talking about it. Let the reality of what God wants to do for us sink in. What is broken in my life? What am I struggling with today? What relationships are difficult? Where, where do I just feel like I've been stuck on this hamster wheel and I just can't get off of it? Jesus sees and he cares and your source of healing and victory is in him. Now there's one last portion of this story that we need to look at. And it's a truth that the church needs to face. Because in the midst of this whole chapter that is really so much of it is celebration, a lot of like what we're gonna do today, a lot of celebrating today. It's a celebration. His own victory in the wilderness, it's coming off the heels of his baptism. It's him showing up in different towns and impacting people's lives. But in the middle of this story, that passage that I read you earlier, describing what Jesus came to do, he read that in his hometown. And it's the one part of this whole story that's sad. Because when he read this reality of what he came to do in his hometown, the people were amazed, but they were questioning him. His own people who knew him well, they were questioning and they were doubting. And he called it out. Luke chapter four, verse 24. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. And then he gave them two examples in the scripture where Israel, the people who had God's word, rejected the prophets that God sent them to help them deal with their problems. And Jesus pointed out to ways where those prophets, first Elijah, who went to a widow during a famine and helped feed her for three years, she was an outsider. She wasn't Jewish. And then another example of the prophet Elisha, who heals a leper that was a Syrian, a sworn enemy of the Jewish nation. Jesus points to both of these examples to highlight that God's own people often miss the fact that he's right there for us. It's so easy for us, church, when we think of spiritual warfare to look externally. Look at the problems out there with those people. Look how they're living. Look what they're doing. Look at the lies they're believing. Well, Jesus reached out to those people constantly and shared the hopeful truth with them that could change their lives. But we should take a warning here because in this passage with people who knew better, who knew him, he says, you guys aren't accepting me. You're rejecting me. And look how the story unfolds. When they hear these things, verse 28, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Friends, the primary starting point that we need to have first in our own lives, then in our own homes, then in our church community, and then in the capital C church globally, we need to start right there and say, Jesus, is there somewhere in my life where I'm cooperating with a lie? That's harming me, it's harming my wife, my kids, my grandkids, my neighbors, my coworkers, the church. Jesus, am I 
as a Bible belt living American, Jesus, am I open to ways that I might be opposing you? See, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is the answer. The reality that we have to face is, will we crown him or kill him? Will I crown him Lord of my life? Will I give him access to speak truth that I need to hear in my life that can set me free? Or will I just try to push him off the cliff and say, you're not welcome here? I doubt very few, if any of us, wake up consciously thinking, I am closing my life off to God and I'm operating as if I don't want him here. But yet I wonder how often we compartmentalize areas of our life where we're hurting, where we're struggling, where we're stuck. And we say, not here. Not here. Friends, this is where spiritual warfare starts. If the church wants to have a real impact in the world, we gotta start in the church house. We need to ask hard questions about how we're living. Jesus, am I aligned with your word? Is your word changing my life? Am I becoming more like you? Am I the kind of person that is sharing good news with the world in need? See, it will extend outward, but that's, that's secondary. It starts right here in our own lives. And so friends, I wanna encourage you as we, as we continue into this topic in the coming weeks, we're gonna talk about how we can cooperate with him in spiritual warfare, how we can participate and seeing captives set free, blind eyes open, broken hearts healed. We're gonna see how we can cooperate with that, but it all hinges upon Jesus Christ. It's him and him alone and me purposing to live my life in such a way where I cooperate with his truth, where I let his truth invade my life, peel back those onion layers of lies that I can be whole and healed, and then I can be a light to a world in need. We're not going to go out waving a sword at people. It's our feet being shod with the gospel of peace. That's how we go. The sword is simply God's word. That brings truth. It can cut through any lie. It can cut through even the most difficult chains that have wrapped us up for years. You've been stuck dealing with an addiction for years? Jesus can cut through that and bring freedom. Is your brokenness from past hurts and wounds and relationships causing you to now hurt others? Causing your relationships to be a struggle and a difficulty? you can find hope and healing and restoration in Jesus who can mend your broken heart. And then you can begin to watch as the relationships around you are changed because he's changing you and he's changing me. My wife needs that. My kids need that. My friends in my community need that. Let's crown Jesus, Lord of our lives. Amen? Amen. Y'all been very patient this morning. Kids, you've done incredible. I mean, how do you get that many kids to sit quiet at a park? That's amazing. I'm impressed.
Well, listen, I'm gonna close in prayer. And while I'm doing this, I'm gonna go ahead and just pray a blessing over our meal together. And so when I dismiss in just a second, we've got about, oh man, we got done even quicker than I thought. Awesome. Well, we've got plenty of time. Food is supposed to be ready at 11.30. Maybe it'll be ready a little faster. Um, But y'all can visit here and then you can mosey on over that direction to the pavilion. And as soon as there's food ready to serve, we'll open that up and we'll eat and just enjoy some conversation with each other. And then we'll get everybody's attention after lunch and uh, we'll do baptisms and child dedications. Sound good? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your great love. Jesus, thank you that you fight on our behalf. God, thank you that you care about every person, that we are loved by you, that we are valuable to you, that we're favored by you. Jesus, in the midst of that list of all the things you came to to heal and to do, you finished by saying that you came to declare the year of the Lord's favor. God, thank you that you have favor over us. We are accepted and loved by you. God, if there is a place in our lives where we have held you at arm's length, where we've resisted your truth, God, maybe we've never even walked in a real relationship with you. Thank you, God, for your mercy that we can get that right with you today. God, if we've walked with you maybe for a long time, but there's still areas of struggle, hurt, wounding, difficulty. God, I pray that we would invite you in to be the healer that you are, to be the victor that you are, that you would bring healing and wholeness into our lives. God, that you would expose the lie and replace it with truth so that we could be healed by you. God, we need your help with this and we thank you that you love us and that you're present and you're available to all. It's in your powerful name we pray this morning. Amen.